How's everyone doing? All right, that's great. <laughs> Gonna have to work hard this morning then. So, um, we're in this series called New Year Revolution. If that could come up now, Chris, that'd be wonderful. Thank you. And uh, we began this uh, on the 8th of January at the start of our time together. And um, 31 Days to Shape Your Life, uh, it's based on a Channel 4 program, 31 Days to Change Your Life. But we've, I've used the word shape because we're looking at one group of, one, what we call a verse in the Bible, just one group of words in the Bible, which we'll look at in a moment, which give us four things that if we were to live these things out, they're like virtues, they're principles. If we live them out in our life, it will bring about a revolution spiritually. Because God says that if we live these four things out, He will do amazing things in our life. And that's what we've been looking at over the last few weeks. This is the verse, Hosea 10 verse 12. And we've been doing this every week, so we're going to do it again today. So would you join with me and let's read this verse out together. Let's go. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. So that's the verse that I believe God gave me to give to you as a church, as a community of people for this year. It's like a watchword for this year, which you've never done before. Believe that all the way through this year, we're going to be touching into different aspects of this verse. So in week one, we did like an overview and an introduction. In week two, we looked at that first phrase, sow for yourselves righteousness. And we looked at what does it mean to sow the right things especially in the workplace, but also we looked at sowing into people's lives who aren't yet Christians. And on one of our gatherings together, we planted some bulbs in this soil. And uh, as we planted each one, each one represented the name of someone that we wanted to see come to faith in Christ. And Dan has been faithfully watering and speaking tenderly to them every day. And they're growing in this way. I hope that it is crocuses and not cannabis, but we'll see how that when it all comes out, really. Um, I didn't, I didn't mean that at all. So that was... That, I, I, not that I... Yeah, anyway, that, that, was, <laughs> that was week two. Week three, last week, we looked at reaping the fruit of unfailing love. What does it mean to be living in the love of God for us? And we looked at some of the barriers to that, guilt and fear and shame. And said so that if we want to live in the love of God, we have to revise our understanding of God. We have to build an identity in Christ. And we have to experience the Father's embrace. Not just in our head, but in our heart. Not just a truth encounter, but a power encounter. And I know many of you were impacted through that last week, and you told me, which was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and just as an aside, on Tuesday night, uh, Andy, who's our youth uh, leader, uh, you saw him on the screen there, and his wife Laura, they went to represent us at a uh, kind of a, an area-wide youth gathering on Tuesday night, and they were from all across the black country, and, and the guys were excited that Andy and Laura were there representing Hale Zoen. And uh, in the evening there was worship and prayer, and then there were some times when people would go around and prophesy, speak words that they thought God wanted you know, to, to, to be told to the different areas. And in the Hale Zoen area, people went, and they don't know anything about this series that we're in. And the words that came out was somebody drew a seed, and after the seed they drew like a plant growing, and the word growth was written all over it. Somebody else uh, wrote 1 Corinthians 3, which we're going to read later on, where Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. And they didn't know anything about this. And isn't it amazing how God works? You know, and, and God's spoken into us this verse, and then all the way, and then, and then in a meeting, and, you know, away from here, other people confirm that, which is really exciting to me. I'm excited about that. I hope you are 
could you tell your face that you're excited? That would be, be great. Okay. Um, so week four now, we're looking at break up. That's what I'm going to call it, break up. Just five words, break up your unplowed ground. Whenever you do a teaching series, there's always one week, which is really difficult. And Connie, you think, oh, this is going to go down like that there. But you've got to do it because you want to cover the whole of the material. And this is that week. So break up your unplowed ground. In other versions of the Bible, it puts it like this. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Break up your uncultivated ground. And then in one of the most modern versions of the Bible, which I love, it says this, it's time to dig in with God. It's time to dig in with God. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to ask four questions. And all the time we're asking these questions, I'd like you to take the response card, which I've put in, we've put inside, and the arrow goes down really. And what this is all about, I'd like you to take it out and look at it. Because what the arrow is, is like the two-edged blade, okay? A two-edged blade. And the the Bible says that. The Bible, okay, the Word of God is like a two-edged blade. It's like a two-edged sword. And it cuts and it divides. And on the right, or the left, as you're looking at it, is a picture that depicts rubbish. And when God speaks, I don't know about you, but in my, often, his, His blade goes into my heart and I'm aware of some of the rubbish and junk in my own life. And breaking up the unplowed ground has got to mean that God wants to break up and turn out some of the junk and rubbish that's in my life and in my heart. But also, on the other side is this seed that's beginning to grow. Because also, when the plough breaks up the ground, it's not just the junk that gets put to the surface. It's the good stuff as well. And in every single one of your lives, in your hearts, God has put seeds of great stuff. But actually, it's buried And I believe this morning that as the Word of God cuts into our hearts, God would not just lift the rubbish to the surface, but He wants to bring some of the good stuff to the surface as well. And rather than me tell you all that that is, I want you to have it in front of you and let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. And as we go through this this next 30 minutes, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And there will be things that will come to the surface that are rubbish, but there will be things that will come to the surface which are great. And God wants both of them to come to the surface today. So we're asking four questions. Firstly, what is unplowed ground in the natural? And then what is unplowed ground in the spiritual? Then the third question, how do we break up unplowed ground in the natural? How do we break up unplowed ground in the spiritual? That's where we're going this morning. So what is unplowed ground in the natural? We need to imagine that heaven and earth are like the front garden and the back garden of God's palace. So what we see on the earth with our eyes in the natural is like the front garden of God's palace. But in heaven, in the spiritual, it's like the back garden. And there's a lot that mirrors itself in the natural and in the spiritual. And in the natural, unplowed ground, that word unplowed literally means fallow ground. In other words, it was once cultivated by the farmer. It was planted, it yielded fruit, but now it's been left fallow for way too long. See, he should leave it fallow for a period of time so that it can rest and it can get nutrients back to it. But he's left it for way too long. And now it's hard. It's full of thorns, weeds, large rocks. It's been burned. There's tree stumps there. It was fertile field, but now it's fallow. It's forgotten. It's neglected. And it's unproductive. So what does all that mean for me? What does that mean in the spiritual? Well, in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, which is the verse that... Somebody else kind of gave for us as a church at that youth meeting I mentioned to you. I'm going to read, you to, read to you that, that verse in its uh, context. In 1 Corinthians 3, um, I can find it. Yeah, it says this. 
Um, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul, only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers, and here's the phrase, you are God's field. It's the only time in the Bible when you hear that phrase, you are God's field. That doesn't mean that you're literally like a whole lump of earth. It means, it's figurative. It means that your heart is like a field. And then Jesus in Matthew 13 tells that parable of the sowers that we looked at a few weeks ago. And there were four kinds of soil. And we said last week, that's four kinds of heart response that we can give. When God speaks, our heart can either be stony, it can be um, beaten down and pressed down, it can be full of thorns, or it can be good soil. You are God's field. But if there are parts of your heart which are unplowed, they are fallow, they once were productive and fruitful, but now they're not, God wants us to break those up. Because God's goal for you and I is that we are fruitful people. Did you know that? That we are fruitful in every single way. So a definition I want to give you is this. A heart that was once, this is unplowed ground, is a heart that was once fertile, soft, open and productive, but now has been left too long and has become either hard, full of weeds, thorns, filled with large rocks or tree stumps and is no longer productive or life-giving. And I want you to imagine that your heart is like a field and there could be parts of that which, have been, which are now fallow. They once were productive, but now they are hard, they are unyielding, they are full of junk, and God wants you to break up that ground so that that can be fertile and producing fruit again. I want to touch on five heart conditions, which I think are really common for us as Christians. And I realize that not all of you this morning would class yourself as Christians, but this gives you a window into what our faith is about and what can happen for us. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we've got it all sorted, and it doesn't mean that there's no problems or issues or stuff in our lives. There really is. There's lots, and this will give you an indication. So one of the conditions is that we can be hard-hearted. We can get hard-hearted. Once our heart was soft, when you first come to faith in Christ, your heart is often so soft and so responsive to God. It's possible for that heart to become hard. Jesus said in Matthew 13, verse 15, For this people's heart has become calloused or hard, and they hardly hear with their eyes, and they've closed their eyes. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. It's like this people once were soft-hearted. They listened, they received. But now they're hard, they're calloused. And it's so easy as time goes on and life goes on for us to become hard-hearted. Nothing moves you anymore. Nothing stirs you. Oh yeah, I've heard all that before. Oh yeah, I've heard that. Oh yeah, whatever. And we become cynical and hard. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be a whatever Christian. I don't want to be like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, been here, seen that, done that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to be like, I want to be open and soft and responsive in my heart. We can also have a hurt heart. And we're often hurt as Christians by other Christians or by other people. And we can get offended. And you know, offense is an absolute killer in your heart. Something happened recently, which I thought was quite funny at the time. But it was an illustration of how someone could have been offended. We have a group of people here uh, called Elders. Uh, not because they're old, necessarily, um, but because they are the leaders of the church, and that's the term out of the Bible, elders. 
And so I sent a text to our group of elders um, recently, and it was just called this, Hi Elders, just to remind you all that we're meeting tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And I sent it on a group text. Now, one of our elders, Iris McDonald, is elderly in the fact that she's 74. She's not here today. She's not very well, which I know will be devastating for her because she just doesn't want to miss anything uh, that this church does, but she's not very well. But as I sent the text to them all, I sent it on a group, uh, and as I put in high elders, um, uh, you know, high elders, just to remind you, we've got a meeting tomorrow. What an iPhone does, if you've got one, is that if it doesn't recognize the word, it can change it to something else. So on the Sunday morning, Iris comes into my office before church. She says, knocks on the door, comments, Oi, what's this? She says, I know I'm old, but you don't need to tell me that. And I say, whoa, 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 Iris, what, what, what are you talking about? That text you sent me yesterday. I said, text I sent you? I went, okay. So I looked at the text, and it had changed. Instead of high elders, it said, high eldest. <laughs> and... She, she didn't realise she didn't realise that it had gone to the others. She thought I'd sent her a text saying, Hi eldest. <laughs> now fortunately, all right, after she got her hands around my throat like that, fortunately we laughed about it and thought it was really funny. She could have been easily offended by that, but she wasn't. And do you know what? Sometimes it's things like that that actually cause some people in church to be so offended that they never speak to each other ever again. But do you know what happens that's worse than that? When you get offended, your heart begins to die. You see, there is such a thing as the sin of being offended. Did you know that? You say, oh, but I've got every right. No, you haven't. You have not got every right. You can be hurt, but offense is a whole different thing. When you take offense and it takes root in your heart, you are in big trouble spiritually. The Bible says, this is an amazing verse, Proverbs 18, verse 19. An offended brother or sister is more unyielding than a fortified city. Isn't that amazing? An offended brother or sister is more unyielding than a fortified city. And then in Proverbs 19, verse 11, it is a man's glory to overlook an offense. Isn't that great? So the next time you're offended, you have a choice to say, do you know what? It's a man or a woman's glory to overlook an offence. I am not going to let my heart become like an unyielding, fortified city. We get hurt. I know so many Christians and I've been hurt and I've been offended and I've had to deal with that. Because if I don't deal with offence, my heart is finished spiritually. I'll tell you that now. Because it becomes so fortified, nothing of the, the seed of God can ever get in. Perhaps you are hurt and your heart is hurt. And can I say, as I've looked at this myself, I'm realising that my heart is like a mosaic, if you like. And there are bits of my heart that are really good soil and really open, but there can be other corners and other parts where this can take root. And you may have been hurt by someone. Forgive them. Let them go. It is a man's glory to overlook an offence. You also can get hurt by what I call the big D, disappointment. How many Christians have got so hurt by disappointment with God or with life or circumstances? And we let that disappointment just make our heart go hard and unyielding and fortified again. But the third kind of heart is a discouraged heart. This can happen. The guy, uh, Elijah, one of the Old Testament prophets, and he had this amazing experience where he was on top of this mountain and he called down fire and God sent down fire and it was all amazing and like Steven Spielberg gone wild. And then in the next chapter... He's running away from the, the woman, the queen, and he's so discouraged. He sits down under a tree and he says, I've had enough, Lord, I want to die. How, many, how, many, how can you go from a mountaintop like that to under a tree wanting to die? Well, you do that because you're mentally, emotionally, spiritually and physically exhausted. 
and your heart is not only disappointed, it's discouraged and you give up. What happens in times like that is that you lose perspective. I've done this with you before. Just close one eye for me and put your thumb in front of the other open eye and try and look at me past your thumb. Is my thumb bigger? Is this, sorry, is your thumb bigger or am I bigger as you look? It's your thumb, right? Now, I've got a revelation for you this morning. I am bigger than your thumb, all right? <laughs> Only a little bit, but I am. But what happens is that when we lose perspective, what's big looks small and what's small looks big. What's far away looks close and what's close looks far away. And it all goes out the window and our heart gets discouraged and we lose perspective. That may be you today. But we can also get a passive heart. There's a great story in the New Testament where um, this man has got a withered hand, the Bible says, and he's in the synagogue and Jesus walks into the synagogue and the man never says a word. But Jesus heals him, asks him to stretch out his withered hand. And I think that that withered hand is, is a symbol of a withered heart, actually. Because when you look at the man, he's passive and he's reactive. Life happens around him and to him. It doesn't happen in him and through him. And so many of us get passive in our Christian lives. And we let what happens just happen to us. And life's going to happen around us and life's going to happen to us. Rather than stepping into what God wants and becoming proactive. Life happening in us and life happening through us. Passive heart. And the fifth one is a neglected heart. Psalm 119 verse 16. I will not neglect your word. But we do, don't we? We neglect the things that we know bring life to our heart. And you know, when you are neglecting stuff, and when your heart is hard or hurt or passive or whatever, it's really easy for junk to take root in your life. And if we were to turn over the soil of of your heart and my heart, what might there be there? What might some of the junk be there? You know, when you are really pursuing God and your heart is really open and soft, you don't have time or effort or energy or inclination to sin. But I know in my own life, when I'm not doing that, I'm really open to all other kinds of stuff. And for all of us, many of us, it may be different things. That's what would turn over is that, well, do you know what? There's some junk in there. There's some pornography, some masturbation. There's some over-drinking, over-eating. There's some over-shopping. There's some kind of destructive relationships. There's all kinds of stuff in there because I'm not pursuing God and because my heart has got hard or hurt or neglected or whatever. But, but you know what? I don't want you to feel too discouraged because as well as the negative stuff, as well as the junk, there's another way in which we can neglect our field. You see, Paul says in 1 Timothy 4 verse 14, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the elders laid their hands on you. And I really believe God wants to speak through this to many of us. I believe that God has invested great seed of His life in many of our hearts and we have neglected it. In other words, God has put stuff in your field, you're a field, and over the course of time, you've forgotten it. You used to use it, you used to move in it, and you used to see incredible fruit through it. But now it's a fallow field and it's neglected. And as I was preparing this, and I always try to like, apply the message to me first before I speak it. And I said, God, what's that in me? And God spoke to me really clearly. He said, Leon, you used to speak words into people's lives when you prayed for them. You haven't done that for ages. Why not? And I felt it like as a rebuke, but also as an encouragement to say, yes, Lord, you put something within me. And I've moved in that and I've seen that. And and that's blessed and encouraged other people. And I don't do that now because it's fallow. 
But I want to declare to you this morning, today is a day when we are going to break up our unplowed ground. And it's not just junk that's going to come up, but it's going to be some great stuff that God's put in you, but you've left buried for way too long. Isn't that good? Is anyone vaguely or mildly excited about that? And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is for you. But that's where the Holy Spirit will speak to you and bring it to your memory. So that's unplowed ground in the natural and the spiritual. How do we break up unplowed ground? Well, that's where we come over to our plough. And actually, just before we look at the plough, um, a friend of mine in Bulgaria put a picture up on Facebook this week, which I thought was quite amusing, so I put it up for you. They have really big chickens in Bulgaria. It's just <laughs> ridiculous, do you know what I mean, what you can do with a chicken. There's a chicken ploughing, uh, uh, pulling a plough. But here is a plough. This is obviously brought out of our back garden uh, this morning, because quite a challenging garden. There's lots of seeds around here. And um, I haven't got a clue what this is really all about. So we have a farmer in the congregation who does. So would you put your hands together and welcome Farmer Phil. So Phil, just um, you, you got this plough for us, which is brilliant. You borrowed it, didn't you? Oh, you haven't nicked it from anywhere, have you? Anything like that? That's good. Okay. Scrap metal. Scrap metal, yeah. So, like, there's lots of different things in this. Do you want to just explain to us what on earth this is and what these different things do? Right. First of all, this is a horse plough. Um, and to start off with, right at the very front, you would have two horses. You'd have an older horse and a younger horse. I'm so tempted, do you know what I mean, to get yeah. two people out, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Right from the very start, there's a spiritual thing going on here. There's a yeah. mentoring situation. You've yeah, got the older yeah. horse teaching the younger horse. Yeah, fantastic. They're attached to the, the front here. Um, I'm not sure what that's called, but it's, it's the anchor point for the main beam of the plough. Okay. The plough is um, obviously um, going to go into the ground, and the depth of the plough is governed by this wheel here. It also is governed, this wheel here also governs the width I used a word this morning, but I use furrow now. The width of the furrow. So depending on how narrow this wheel is, depends how much ground you turn over in one sweep. The wheel on the other side, can you see that, Chris? Yeah, the wheel on the other side uh, just sits on the unplowed ground, and it's like a guide to keep the plough level in the ground. Because if you didn't, then it, the, the force of, the, of, of trying to dig into the ground would push the plough over, and it wouldn't work. Then you've got here, um, I called it a quarter earlier on. Mm -hmm. It can be called a quarter or a share, a, a, a shear, sorry. What this does is it's actually in the wrong position. It should be lower down and facing the, 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 the plough share. The idea of it, what it is, as the plough goes into the ground, the, 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 the share, sorry, the, the, the shear cuts off all the weeds and froze them, as you can see, as it, it froze them into the furrow so that they're buried. Then you've got the quarter here, which cuts the ground flat, so, sorry, well, straight, straight so, yeah. so that when your plough turns the soil over, it, 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 it cuts off. It's like cutting a slice of beef off. Then you've got the share here, which is attached to the moldboard. The share is what well, in, in agriculture terms is it causes the strike. It actually strikes the ground and then as the ploughman governs the, the, the plough and, and, and manages the plough, it levels off and then it grows down at a depth which is set by this big wheel. The moldboard then, what it does is it turns the furrow over and buries all the rubbish. Wow. Now, something I didn't mention earlier on is that in doing that, You've caused a ridge 
and a hollow, which causes drainage and aeration. Okay. So you're doing a lot of good here already, and you haven't even broken the ground up. I want to move right to the back here. And one thing I meant didn't, I failed to mention earlier on, there's nothing more powerful than a plowman going to play. The strength of the horses, mm. the expectation of the seed growing and the harvest to come. Really powerful. And the final thing is you've got the plowman at the back here. The plowman at the back is really working hard. He will walk eight miles in one day just to play an acre. And what he's doing is he's actually controlling the power unit at the front, the two horses, the plough as well, and he's got himself to, to walk up and down all the time. Now, what he's doing is he's got a, a yoke which is attached to these, this side, mm-hmm. round his neck, and onto this side. And he's doing this all the time as he's walking. He's lifting it up to lift the plough up so that it goes into the ground to cause the strike. And then once his level's off, he's walking like this. But then he's walking in the furrow, he's up on the top, he's, 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 he's in different places all the time, controlling the plough. Imagine the horses at the front. They could, in the film that you, that you, yeah, yeah, you talk honest, about, yeah. the horse goes wild, but the ploughman actually controls that. The three on their own, individually, are nothing, but the three together become one. Right. And when the three be- together become one, something yeah, really right. powerful. That's brilliant. Thank you, Phil. So all these, let me get this right. Hang on, hang on. So all these different things do different stuff. Some takes rubbish out, throws it up, and something goes really deep. That's and correct, all this yeah. stuff is all working together. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. All right. Let's thank Phil. Fantastic. Wow. You didn't think you'd get an agricultural lesson at church this morning, did you? But there's something really powerful about, and when I heard this first this morning at the nine o'clock service, and Phil said words like plowshare and yoke and all these different things that you read in the Bible, and you think, oh, right, so I see how it connects up. And so what on earth has that got to do with me and in the spiritual? How does that translate into the spiritual? Well, let me just give you a few thoughts and ideas. Firstly, I want to say miracles always follow the plowing of the land. If you want to see spiritual miracles in your life, it will never happen on fallow ground. If you want to see God do something amazing in your life and spirituality and your faith, it won't happen unless you get going on breaking up your unplowed ground. There's an incredible verse that I found just yesterday um, from 2 Kings, and uh, chapter 22. And it talks about the, the king Josiah. And, and he asks the message of the prophet. And the message comes back. It says, tell the king of Judah... Who sent you to inquire of the Lord? This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you've heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I've spoken against this place and its people. And, um, and because you tore your robes and you wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. It's like God said to him, listen, because you humbled your heart, because you were responsive, because you really broke up your unplowed ground, I have heard you. And I'm going to do something. Something powerful about this, folks. If we could get a hold of this, there's something really powerful. When I break up my unplowed ground, God responds. God is moved by that and he responds. You know, John Wesley, the guy who started the Methodist church, he tells of an experience when he had a spiritual experience with God and God broke up the unplowed ground of his heart. And he said, he coined this phrase, he said, my heart was strangely warmed. It's like all this good soil of my heart came to the surface. I was strangely warmed. And then then amazing miracles happened through his life. One of my heroes is a guy called William Booth who started the Salvation Army. He had a similar experience. 
where he came to a point where he said, I told the Lord I, that he could have all there is of William Booth. It's like God broke up his unplowed ground and he said, you can have everything that I am. All of my heart is ready for you and God did amazing things. So let me give you four quick things as we finish. How do we break up our fallow ground? Firstly, you have to want to do it. If you are a Christian this morning and you are satisfied, snug, smug or safe, forget it. If you've come to a point in your spiritual life and development where you are satisfied, where you're snug, smug and safe, this is not for you. Because that picture that Phil gave of a plowman, you know, uh, eight miles a day, just, you know, that, I mean, that's hard work, isn't it? That's hard work. If you don't want that, if you're satisfied, this is not for you. You stay with your unplowed ground, but you will miss out on so much that God has for you. You have to want it. Secondly, you have to choose to. And that often responds to how we, that often equates to how we respond to what happens in life. Remember a few weeks ago, I showed you that formula, E plus R equals O. You know, the event plus the response equals the outcome. And we talked about all of that. And this is really relevant when it comes to suffering or difficult circumstances. I know so many believers who face so many challenging things in their life. And their response is phenomenal. They allow the plow to break up any unplowed ground, any hurt, any disappointment, and their heart becomes fertile. Many of you know my friend Eleanor in um, Albania, whose husband was murdered uh, 18 months ago because of the blood feud, age 32. And uh, she corresponded with me again just this week and started this charity of saying no to the blood feud, running a church, visiting 40 families over Christmas who were locked up in fear of their lives. I just look at that woman and she's got two little kids and I thought, how on earth do you do that? Because she chooses to respond by not getting bitter, by not getting hard, but by saying, God, I want to serve you. I don't understand why my husband got murdered at one o'clock in the afternoon. By in that way. I don't understand that, but what I want to do is I want to live for you. And I don't want his death to be wasted, so I want to help others who are in the same situation. And I look at that and I thought, that's what we're talking about. Or you can get bitter, and you can get hard, and you can get fallow. You have to choose to. And can I say that what was interesting to me is that it seems to me that there's a sense in which some of this stuff can go on the surface, some goes really deep. There's a bit in the film War Horse, if you've seen that film, anyone seen that film War Horse? It's like Lassie, but it's with horses, okay? But basically, but there's a bit in the first bit, um, uh, spoiling it for some of you there, there's a bit in the first bit where this guy is ploughing with one horse in this field and all the villages are all gathered around to watch him because if he doesn't plough the field up then his father's going to lose the farm and everything's going to all go wrong and there's a bit where when I looked at it I thought oh well he is ploughing isn't he because he's taking some stuff off the surface then all of a sudden the rain comes the ground gets soft and the knife cuts in deep and all of a sudden everything comes up and the difference between surface ploughing and the depth of ploughing is unbelievable and it's possible in our Christian lives to stay surface with God do you know that? And we let God just touch us on the surface and we have a few nice feelings and we respond in a few meetings and we let God just do that kind of thing on the top and we do that work on the top or we can let God go deep and we can choose that we are going to respond by letting the knife, God's spirit go deep. Not because he wants to hurt us but because he wants to help us and he wants to heal us. How many of us have got stuff from our past that's been buried and it's the junk that's buried and it's buried and it's safe and it's, and it's secure, buried. And God says, you can live like that or you can let the knife go deep. And you can let me take some of that stuff out that you've been carrying for way too long. And you will see f- fruit 
developing and growing out of your field. You have to want to and you have to choose to. And then thirdly, you have to be willing to get absolutely soaking wet. You know the bit in the film when the rain came and the soils began to go softer and the plowing just happened. And there's something about staying in the presence of God and being in a position where the rain of God's Spirit is falling, which will help us to break up our unplowed ground. You know, I remember somebody once saying that whenever the rain comes, whatever is in the ground will grow. I've never forgotten that. Because my experience is that when God is really working in in a life or in a group of people, whatever's in the ground will grow. Weeds and the plants and fruit. And we have to be willing to be in the presence of God. The book of Jude says, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, guys, you're saying, well, I want this. I want my heart to be broken. I want my heart to be turned over. I want that unplowed ground. Then you have to put yourself in some positions where there's rain. That can be worship. It can be the Word of God. It could be environments where you go and you stay there till you get absolutely soaking wet and God does His work in you. And the final thing is that you have to let God do it. Because as much as this is about you breaking up your own playground, the real work happens when the knife of God's Word and the power of God's Spirit comes into us and turns us over. And can I just say, before you think that the person speaking to you this morning is somebody whose heart is absolutely good soil, it's not. There's bits of my life which I know are unplowed. There's bits of my heart which I know are hard and hurt and all that, which I've got to work on and I want to work on and I am trying to work on them. But you have to want to. You have to choose to. You have to be willing to get wet and then ultimately you have to let God do it in you. Why don't we pray? What I'd love us to do this morning as the band come back is I'd love us just to stand for a moment. We will pray in a minute, but could we just stand first? And I'd like you to take the response card which I've given you this morning with the arrow perhaps facing down if you want. And I'd like you to tear along the dotted line. What you're going to then have is two pictures. One represents rubbish and one represents seed and life and growth. And when we break up the unplowed ground, the rubbish comes to the surface. And as I spoke this morning, I believe that the Holy Spirit has taken these words and the Word of God especially. And many of you this morning, you already know what that represents. You know what the rubbish is in your life. You know what the stuff is in your life that if you like is a symbol or a a cause or a root or something of the hardness or the hurt or the neglect or the passivity or whatever. You know what the rubbish is and this morning you're saying, God, I don't want to live with this rubbish any longer. I want to get rid of it. And in a moment I'm going to ask you to come and that's why we've got a bin here that you can just screw that up and you can chuck it in the bin. And then on the other one, some of you, I believe this, As I've spoke this morning, you realize that God has put things in your field which you've allowed to go follow. I told you that one of the ones for me, there's others as well. This morning, you've got an opportunity to say, God, I don't want that thing to stay fallow any longer. I actually want to see that come to life again. I want to see that come out in my heart and I want to encourage you and invite you to come and you can place it in this offering bowl. The choice is yours. You don't have to do that, but you can do that. You could do one, either. You could do both. You could say, God, I want to respond. I don't want any junk in my life anymore. And all the good things you place in me, I want them to come out into fruition 
and to be fruitful. And to help you, I want to pray for you. So I want to ask you to do something else. This is all getting a little weird and wacky for some of you. I know that. I want you to place your hand on your heart for a moment because I want to pray for your heart this morning. Father, I want to pray for every one of us here today. His hand is on our heart. And we know that this heart is a, is a lump of flesh and it beats blood around our body. But in the spiritual, this represents who we are. It represents our, our, our motives, our passions. It represents our intentions. And Lord, I pray that you will have spoken and that you are speaking into our hearts. And Lord, where there's rubbish, God, I pray that it would come to the surface and we would get rid of it today. We would not take it with us any longer. And Lord, where you've placed good seeds, where you've placed good gifts in our heart and in our life, and we've allowed them to go fallow, Lord, please bring them, bring them back again, I pray. As we turn over the soil of our hearts, Lord, I pray for life to come in Jesus' name. Amen.